0: Girlfriends, episode number 281, Exodus 90 and Authentic Masculinity with Nathaniel Benversi. Hello, and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, I am talking with Exodus 90's Nathaniel Benversi about a new book and a new project, a speaking tour that he is launching somewhere near you. Let's dive into this topic. Hey, welcome. I'm so glad you are here. Welcome to the Girlfriends Podcast. If this is your first time ever listening... Welcome. I'm so happy you're here. I hope you're going to enjoy what we're sharing here and want to stick around for a while, become a real authentic member of the Girlfriends community. If you already are a member of the Girlfriends community, if you listen regularly, I want to thank you for that too. I want to thank you for all the ways you contribute to the things that we share here on the podcast and the ways that you encourage and support the important topics that we take up here on the podcast. So this week, I am going to be talking in a Nathaniel Benversi from Exodus 90 who has a new children's book out and he's launching a speaking tour focused on fatherhood, the importance of strong fathers. So the program of Exodus 90, if you're not familiar with it, can be a little bit of a lightning rod for people. People have good experiences with it. People have amazing experiences with it. People have negative experiences with it. Um, I think it really it varies by the individual, and it varies by the particular group that you're you're participating in it with. But I'm going to let Nathaniel speak to all of that, because he, he speaks very well for what Exodus 90 is, what it isn't, who it's for, who it's not for, what its real goals are. So I'm going To let him speak to all of that. But the, the even more important thing that I think we should be talking about is how to support strong fatherhood. Like, what is authentic masculinity? What is fatherhood? What is the value of it in our culture, in our world? In what ways does our culture denigrate fatherhood? We talk a lot about the ways our culture denigrates motherhood. For sure, I do in uh, my book and. Study through Ascension, omnipotent, in other kinds of resources that I share and a lot of the content that we share here on the podcast. I, I talk about that all the time. But this is an opportunity for us to really reflect on the value of fatherhood and some of the mixed messages that we receive from our culture about the value of fatherhood or about what masculinity is and uh, what its value is, uh, what God's plan is for the male role in our family. So, I'm really happy that Nathaniel agreed to come on and talk about this new project. So before we get into all of that, though, I want to remind you to stick around at the end of today's show. So a lot of times at the end of the show, I'll share listener feedback or listener question or a topic or, you know, a brief question or something that you all want to share in that part of the show. But for the summertime months, I am doing a mini book club for my new book, Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday, which is available at ascensionpress.com. And this week, we're on Chapter 6, which is titled, Tuning In, Hearing God in Inspiration. So we're really talking about listening and responding to inspiration from the Holy Spirit. We'll be taking on all of that after I share this conversation I had recently with Nathaniel Benversi. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Girlfriends. I've got a special guest joining me here on Girlfriends today. Nathaniel Benversi is joining us. Nathaniel is Director of Content for Exodus, Inc. He's an author, speaker, and host of the Exodus podcast. More importantly, he's a husband and a father. That's part of what he's here to talk about today. Before he worked for Exodus, he worked in collegiate ministry, including three years with Focus. Nathaniel holds degrees in philosophy, Catholic studies, and a master's in theology. And he currently lives in Fort Wayne, Indiana, with his wife, Sherry and their two energetic and beautiful daughters, Lucia and Anna Sophia. Nathaniel Vinversy, welcome to Girlfriends.
1: Hey, thanks so much, Danielle. It is great to be here.
0: I'm excited to have you. So, you know, when girlfriends started, we didn't usually have guys on. I mean, I think I I had a pretty steady like three year <laughs> track record, and then you know now we're we're beginning to have some some male perspectives come on the show, which is really helpful. And we're going to talk about today the the role of fathers, and I know that has a special place in your heart and is a special part of a new project that you're working on. And so I you know I'm thrilled to have you on board to share your perspective as a man. I'm hoping what listeners are going to take away today is maybe some practical support and how we women can be supportive of of our husbands in that important role as father. So along those lines, can you share about this new book project? The Strongest Man I Know is a children's book. Tell us a little bit about how it came to be.
1: Yeah, The Strongest Man I Know is a book made specifically for fathers, even though it's a children's book, right? How how does that come Yeah, so my thought here, especially as I was working for Exodus, is how can I reach as many men as possible? How can I reach as many fathers as possible? And I thought, okay, well, I'll write a book I write it on prayer, on asceticism, these acts of self-denial, and on fraternity. And some people will read it. But <laughs> you and I both know, you know, uh, you having known your husband and plenty of other men, and me being a man, that reading is not always most men's top priority. For some, mm-hmm. love it. We'll, you know, just take as much in as we can. But for others, it's like, yeah, I'd rather not. Okay. So how do I reach those men? If it's not gonna be a book that's 150 pages or 250 pages. How do I reach them? Well, if they have children, this is a prime time for them, especially young children, to realize their failures or they're simply experiencing that, whether they mm-hmm. want to, they see their failures in their child or in the face of their life when they make mistakes. This is a perfect time to reach them for their new opportunity of conversion. Well, great. They're probably reading some books to their children. And you being a mother of eight, is that right, Tanya? Yes. Yeah. I'm sure you had plenty of children's books in your house. hmm some are like, oh, this is a great children's book. It has a great lesson. And others are like, this is a great, why am I reading this to my child? <laughs> <laughs> the message of this, right? Right. So as the primary educator of our children, it's important to have good, solid content. This book certainly meets that, of good, solid content for the children, teaching them the power, the strength of prayer, especially daily prayer, and especially from the father or from their parents. But it also then teaches the father. If this is all he's willing to read, is this book to his children? Well, great. He has just read something that doesn't call him out, but calls him on because the story follows this young boy named Luke who looks up to his dad, but then his dad gets hurt in a baseball game. And he's like, I thought my dad was strong, but now he needs crutches. Maybe he's not so strong.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So he tries to figure out what the strength of a father really is. Well, I won't give away the end of the story too much here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Of course, he, His grandfather leads him to see the strength in prayer. And In that, the father, as he reads the end of this book, he sees the need for his own life and his own daily prayer life. And he sees the reason for that need sitting on his lap. Oh, that's beautiful.
0: Yeah. I, I love that. And you know what? I appreciate that you've, you've written the book in the way that you have, because you're right. We've had many children's books in this house. In fact, I still have many in bins in the closet that I'm saving for grandchildren. Our favorites have made the bins. And and some of those where you're like finding yourself thinking, why am I reading this book? Get tossed. So, but I don't appreciate is when a book is super preachy. And like it's got like, you know, save the earth is like the point of this book, or whatever it is. So even if it's a message I agree with, when it feels like heavy-handed in that way and not really a story, I don't appreciate it. Or if it has terrible illustrations, I've seen some with great messages, great stories, terrible illustrations. But this book actually has beautiful illustrations that are are really a lot of fun to look at and um, explore with your kids. Can you tell us a little bit about the illustrator?
1: Yeah, Michael Corsini is the illustrator. He actually went to school. Uh, to an art school specifically for cartooning to start uh-huh. when he was younger. And of course, well, as you and I see the movies, not so many uh, hand-drawn cartoons anymore. So it right. really fell apart right beneath him. And he went through this time of continuing to grow as an artist and finding out what the Lord wants him to do and where he wants him to be. He ended up actually with the CFRs for a number of years, I think six or seven years he was with the CFRs. That's and great. Before he got too close to final vows, if you will, he uh-huh. realized man, I'm actually not called to be a priest. <laughs> we got a chance to live this life of prayer. I know, it's
0: a great formation regardless. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And I was in seminary myself. and I certainly owe a debt of gratitude to the Diocese of Green Bay for the formation that they gave to me through my time at St. John Vianney College Seminary in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And as I tell my wife, you you wouldn't have married me if I didn't go to seminary. Like, <laughs> total change of life, okay? Yeah. So, and for Michael as well, a good solid change of life for him learning these lessons of dialoguing with the Lord. So he comes out of that, he gets married, he has a number of children himself, he ends up becoming very into uh, sacred art and sacred music, or simply also playing music at things like adoration. Mm-hmm. So this man's mm-hmm. heart, when I got a chance to meet him and talk to him, clearly fit the mission of this book. He understood what it meant to be a father, he understood the need for daily prayer, mm-hmm. and he has beautiful images. So he got to take the time to, to paint hand paint all of these beautiful images of this young man and his pursuit of the strongest man that he knows. And it's just a delight to see not something digital, but something really hand-painted and and quite beautiful, not overly realistic, because right. he does really realistic things. But what he mm-hmm. mentioned to me is if I go overly realistic, sometimes it's it's hard to connect with who that person is if you're trying to put yourself in the story, right. So he did a good job of being beautiful, but not overly realistic at the same time. It's a, it's a great mix.
0: Yeah. I really, I love the illustrations and I think they fit perfectly with the text. So they did a really great job pulling out that theme of the strongest man I know, which I also appreciate that theme because this is the daunting thing for us as parents, right? Where our kids idolize us. And I remember one time, one of my kids asking me when I was going to confession, like, Why? Why would? Why are you going to confession? Like, what do you even have to say in there? You know, like, and I was like, oh shoot! (laughs) Like, (laughs) this kid thinks something great about me. You know, and that's you know both the privilege, but also the huge responsibility of parenting is being real and being human with our kids and being real about some of the ways that we fall short of that perfection, but not presenting it to them in a way that sets the bar real low. And you know, this is. This is how everybody is, and you know, go ahead and mess up. But I, I love that the the theme of the book is really just encouraging and inspiring toward toward yes, an ideal, um, but in a realistic way.
1: Yeah, my wife always makes sure that her and I have this understanding of being able to apologize to our children for our own mm-hmm. failures as well, and not kind of having that pridefulness or perfection there, so that they can see that. But at the same time, setting that good uh, model of as close to perfection as we possibly can strive for, right? Right. So I certainly saw that like, okay, we're going to inspire dads to do great things. What I didn't see is kind of the flip side of that when I wrote this and a young man was reading this book. He's probably a year or two out of college now. And he's entering seminary this fall as well. Mm-hmm. And he was reading this book to my daughter as he was visiting my family and I, and he read it and he's like, wow. He starts crying himself reading the end of this book. And he said, my dad, I never really saw him as a super strong guy. He wasn't physically strong. He wasn't really all that great at had this, that, or the other thing. Mm-hmm. But he prayed for us every single day, Wow, every day. And now I just am awakened to the gift that that is. And that's healing for me to see the strength that my dad had to pray for me and is that's still thing. every day.
0: Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. And I, I think you're going to find that as the book is getting out more and more that you might be surprised by some of the ways that it's going to touch people and change their relationships with their own dads and with their kids. So there's a website that's specifically for the book. Is that right?
1: That's right. Thestrongestmaniknow.com.
0: Okay. So we'll definitely have that linked up in the show notes. But the book is just a starting place, right? It's sort of a launching of a larger project. Can you share a little bit about that?
1: Certainly. Yeah. So as, as mentioned at the beginning, I just have such a zeal to reach as many men as I can. And for the sake of the whole family, right? Mm -hmm. I know going through the man certainly can change the life of the whole family and bring a new uh, encounter with the Holy Spirit there through just his change of even human character. So through my work at Exodus, we found with men writing in about their testimonies and how their lives changed, they often had the very same theme. And that is essentially that they learned how to dispose themselves to receiving the graces that God has always been offering them every single day, in a time where they might be impatient with their children and not hearing or seeing the graces being offered to them because they started living a daily prayer life, a life of daily self-denial, a life of daily fraternity. Now they're like, whoa, I can I can hear God. Mm-hmm. I can experience self-denial and and put others first, and I can hold myself accountable. Now when I'm impatient, I can see that, I can acknowledge that, and I can change my life and, and respond to God's grace right there. Wow. So. Exodus 90 is one way of doing that, but it's not like a requirement of the church. Do Exodus 90 or you're not making it to heaven, right? That's just not the way it is. But to live the Christian life isn't optional. To live a life of prayer, a life of asceticism, and a life of fraternity isn't optional. And those are the things that we have found that are what is disposing men to receiving the graces God is offering them. So we're going on tour. My family and I feel very called to mission and we always have been. I was a focus missionary before this with my, my wife and my daughter, and we have two children now. So we're packing up into a truck and a fifth wheel RV, and we're just going to go to as many churches, as many pubs, as many places that we possibly can to speak to men and be invited in there and encounter them and have like fun with men too, right? It's so, like, let's do a night at the beer garden. Okay, Like bring the beer. Let's have a good time. But then let's talk about how we're going to change our lives because we all deep down as men already want to. Like right. I said, especially as fathers, we see it in the faces of our wives and our children when we fail, whether we acknowledge it out loud or not,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we see it and we do want to become better men. Well, we got the key to it, the Christian life. Let's teach it. So the right. two are, the one thing missing to her uh, is, is specifically what
0: specifically for men. That's who you're hoping will attend these talks.
1: That's correct. Yeah.
0: Okay. But your wife okay. and your kids are coming on the road with you.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And if my wife gives a talk here or there to women, that is excellent as well. She's an awesome mom to say the least and super mm-hmm. patient. She's got to deal with me, so she's already a saint. <laughs> so it's she's a she is a gift to say the least, and always so joyful, just as you are as well, Danielle. So it's it's a gift uh, to have her as my wife, and happy to share her graces with others.
0: That's wonderful. So the tour is called the One Thing Missing Tour. What what are you referencing with that that name for it?
1: Yeah. So the one thing missing being the ability to dispose ourselves to the graces that God is offering. Mm-hmm. We're not able to do that as men. And we don't even know it. Like we're striving after, we want to we become better, right? Well, maybe if I just stop looking at pornography or if I just stop drinking too much, or if I just stop staying at work too long or stop being on my phone in front of my kids, then I'll be better. Mm-hmm. Well, sure, those things will help you become better. But if you first and foremost dispose yourself to God's grace, he's already with you when you want to look at pornography. He's already with you when you want to stay at work too long or drink too much. He is there and he's offering you graces to stop or to say no way before that, hours Mm -hmm. before that. So if you learn how to dispose yourself to God's grace, man, you're going to make the right decisions before you even get to those places of temptation and you're going to be better for the right reasons and for other people. So that is the one thing missing that we're teaching.
0: I love that. I love that. I think that's so important. I think everybody needs that message, but I, I love that it's tailored, especially to men And that you're speaking to them in particular, man to man, I think that's so important. So if people are interested in having you come, like where are you going to be? Do you already have a plan in place? When does it start? All of that.
1: Yeah. So we have three stops so far as our initial beginning here, and they're all in Oklahoma. They're in Tulsa for their Theology on Tap, and then the University of Tulsa and Oklahoma State University. And those are all in August. Uh, The exact dates are not Mm -hmm. yet set. So we'll work on that
0: but okay but our, there's a website people can go to get information about like where you'll be and maybe to like request yeah. come out this way that kind of thing
1: yeah so, so okay. the strongest man I know.com slash tour so okay slash tour and at the very bottom if you do want to make a request our email is there support at binversy and creatives.com and you can send in a message saying hey we'd love to host you and bring you in and uh, have an event at our church or our local community whatever. We're happy to, to start booking those for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm excited to watch as this happens. You know, we're recording this at the beginning of June, and you're mentioning this tour is starting in August. It'll This show will publish sometime in between there. So head over to thestrongestmanino.com to get more information about the book and find out more about where the tour is right now and um, other places I'm sure you're going to be booking in the meantime, Nathaniel. But, you know, so the start of all of this in, well, you're focused missionaries first, but... Then you're, you've transitioned into working with Exodus and Exodus ninety, which people may or may not be familiar with. So, just you know, as a background, can you describe briefly for us what Exodus ninety is and you know what its goals are, how it works, that kind of thing?
1: Yeah. So we used to be called as an organization Exodus ninety incorporated, and we realized we've got a lot more to offer, and we just continue to offer more and more things for man. So now we're at Exodus Incorporated. Our main spiritual exercise is Exodus 90, it's a nine day spiritual exercise for men. It's based on prayer, asceticism, which is acts of self-denial and fraternity, those three things. So essentially all I've just said is, it's a spiritual exercise on the Christian life, (laughs) the Christian life, right? Which is a, a beautiful gift to men, it's so simple. It's just the life we should be living. Now it's a time of purification, so it's the life we should be living far more intensely for 90 days. Men read through the book of Exodus, For those 90 days and we follow the israelites as the israelites fail even though god is totally leading them to freedom they still Mm -hmm. golden calf in the desert you know we fail too in those 90 days we don't live it perfectly but god is faithful to us and we learn how to be faithful to him as well and in those 90 days we have a list of things for prayer a list of things for asceticism and a list of things for fraternity that men take up for all 90 days including Mm -hmm. no alcohol no sweets, no sweet drinks, no snacking between meals, two small meals and a large meal every Wednesday and Friday, no meat on Wednesdays and Fridays. You have this daily reading and daily reflection from the from the book of Exodus and a reflection that goes along with it to help you from slipping into despair or into pride in the midst of this. And you meet with a fraternity, five to seven guys every single week. One of those guys is your anchor, you check in with him every single day. In addition, there's no watching television, no being on the internet. You're abstaining from those things except for from work uh related things or like paying the bills or something. Right. Exercise three days a week and you take cold showers.
0: Kicker <laughs> for me. <laughs> I'm sure you hear that all the time, right?
1: Absolutely. And and this is specifically for men. It speaks specifically in to the life that a man has with our Lord and the way that he needs to be challenged uh, to become the man that he's called to be. It's not just the challenge itself though, right? I I like to say this, Danielle, I've done Exodus five times now. I have failed Exodus five times now. (laughs) And that's what it's about. It's about we allowing ourselves to be pushed by the Lord beyond the limit so that we learn that ultimate lesson, which is not to rely on ourselves, but to dispose ourselves to God's grace and rely on him for our strength. Yes, to complete this exercise, but so that we have those repetitions, those practices. That way, like I said, when we get impatient, we know who to turn to, not ourselves, but to God and yeah.
0: his I like that you shared that you you failed five times. I think that's gonna be encouraging to people because you know, I, I shared, I think I shared this on the podcast that my, my husband Dan did Exodus 90 at the start of this past year. And it was our first experience with it. And there were good days and bad days and pros and cons, and you know we could probably talk for hours about it. And I, I bet he would love to get on and ask his own questions. But what I would like to to know, I think, is you know you mentioned it's for men, right? And I, I know that when I when he was first going to do it, I, I was like researching it a little bit, and that was like a real point. Like this is actually not for women. And, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, like, where's the Exodus 90 for women? Like, why why isn't there one? How does how, What's the thinking behind that?
1: So the first reason is, as I kind of mentioned, is this is specifically designed for that masculine spirituality. It would be disrespectful for a woman to take this up and us to say like, yeah, you should do this, woman. Like, you should be more like a man. Like, that doesn't make any sense, right? right. She has yes. her own gifts and the beauty of her own spirituality spoken to this isn't the model for that. So that's the first reason. It just doesn't speak to the feminine genius. Mm -hmm. The second reason, not to say that women can't fast or live in a prayer or some sort of sorority, but it would be different. Right. This is not
0: designed for that.
1: And we worked with with a set of religious sisters actually to discern that process pretty heavily. We worked with them for a number of months and then flew out and spent a day with them to talk about, could we do this? Would it be good for women? And they're like, like, No, like this is actually not set up in a way that would be healthy for women. So that was great. We felt great freedom and discernment there uh, from that. So that's one reason. Another reason, and and a reason that's going to be far more acceptable to hear than maybe some of the ladies out there like, come on, I really want to just do this or be challenged. (laughs) I I hear you. You want to be holier. That is awesome. That's beautiful. Talk to the Lord. Let him lead you where he wants you to go. Mm -hmm. The second reason here would be that we're speaking to the head of the household for a reason. And a man, when he's challenged, let's say, or feeling like he's forced into something by a woman, like, hey, you should go to this talk and I'll go with you. Or, right. You should do this and I'll do it with you. Sometimes, as men, it's like, if there's all these women here, the air or the wind is just kind of out of the sails. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't, is this really for me? I don't really want to do this. Or felt talked down to, or you feel less than a man for doing it. Or what, like, I don't know. There's all these negative thoughts that come into the head of a man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A man needs to be led by other men. He needs to learn how to be a man from other men and he needs to be challenged to be a man by other men. And so having this exclusively for men allows for all of those things to happen. That doesn't mean he isn't in the, in the face of a woman called on to be a better man. That's mm-hmm. absolutely true. The beauty of women simply by their nature of being woman calls us on to be better men. However, sometimes it takes a little bit more. Sometimes mm-hmm. we so rest on our laurels or whatever, you know, and <laughs> don't excel as men. Okay. And we get fat and sit on a couch. All right. That's not acceptable. And it's at that time that we need another man to tell us that. Another. That's man so to-
0: important. I think that's a really important distinction to make. You know, we, we've talked about this topic before here on Girlfriends where I did a whole show where it was, I think the title was how to support your husband as a spiritual leader. And that was a really popular episode, but it was some hard... Was a little bit of tough talk I was giving the ladies there because we have this tendency to be like, and actually what, what made me take on that topic in the first place was an email I got from a woman saying, how do I make my husband a spiritual leader? <laughs> right? Like you don't do that. Right. And that's sometimes hard for us to hear because we're so used to doing all the things. Right. But um, we don't always have all of that part figured out. And there, there are certain things and and ways that men lead and encourage each other that are unique to them. And it's not our place to be to be telling them exactly how how it's done, right?
1: Absolutely. I actually have a counter example that I think fills this out even, even more, Danielle. So when when I was speaking with a mentor of mine early on in my marriage, I said, man, my wife doesn't pray the way that I think she should be praying and she should be doing this instead, or our family should be doing this. And I'm the spiritual head of the household. So like, how do I help her do this or that? And my mentor is just like, you're not your wife's spiritual director. (laughs) You're her husband. And you're trying to do the wrong thing here.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: So that's, it was a beautiful thing for me to see. And it's like, all right, well, if I want my wife to engage more in this or in that, well, what can I do for her to grow in her own faith? Mm-hmm. Well, it was to allow her time to be around good and holy women who would call her on and, and help her and model for her what it means to be a good and holy woman. Right. And so I made time for that. I had to make time for her to have that time. So taking care of our one child at the time and making sure she can go to mom's group or she can go to her woman's Bible study or her women's book club. Mm-hmm. So from a counterpoint then back onto the the women for the 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 husbands. Like, all right, so you're not your husband's spiritual director. You're never gonna make him the leader by leading him to be the leader.
0: Right, right. right. That's the ironic thing. Like you're asking that question. I'm not sure you know what you're saying.
1: <laughs> but it's I mean, I love the desire. It's certainly beautiful, and I see the difficulty, women. So anybody out there is like, well, I'm just in this frustrated spot. Right. I right. see it. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Okay. Like that's why yeah. I want to go on this tour. I am with you. Right but unfortunately it's going to have to come from another man for him to get called on. So make the space. Right. It's going to probably take a while, but make the space for him to go to an event like this tour, if it ever comes to your town uh, to be at a men's Bible study, go and talk with maybe a man who, you know, might invite him into something mm-hmm. him go out to beers with that guy, whatever to allow other men to kind of lead the
0: way. Right. Right. Okay. Well, okay. So, Getting back to Exodus 90, because it's been a little, not I wouldn't use the word controversial, but it's got mixed reviews. Okay. Um, I know that one of the critiques that I've heard is like, it's this macho club and in, in a way that's, you know, not helpful or a competitive spirit. What would your answer be to that?
1: Certainly. I think that that gets that response, especially for men who aren't doing the daily reads. Mm-hmm. And that's because it's just taken the wrong way then, right? Because the readings are supposed to le- make you learn how to get on your knees and not fluff up your feathers. It's the very opposite. But if we just see it as a list of disciplines to follow, like, oh, I'm going to take cold showers for 90 days and I'm going to tell everybody about it. Right. That's the <laughs> wrong thing to do. Yeah. But unfortunately, a lot of men, they, they'll be like, oh, it costs $10 a month to get the readings. Uh, I'll just do the aestheticisms. And unfortunately, that's dangerous mm-hmm. for men to do that. At the same time, why do we charge then $10 a month? Well, because people quit if they're not committed financially. So we tried, we we got that smallest threshold possible where it's cheap enough for men to say yes, but enough for them to be committed. They're invested, right? Right. Men's psyche, you know, just doing our best to reach (laughs) us. So is it about that? Absolutely not. In fact, all of us here in the office, we really despise anything that's like suit of armor. You're the man, man up. No. Mm-hmm. on your knees and let the Lord do the heavy lifting. Let him teach you how to do that. That way you can lay your life down for your bride, for your wife, for your children. This isn't about you and how strong you are. This is about how much the Lord's going to work through you for your family. So yeah. that is my response. I mean, I'm, the writings don't echo it. If any person would take a read through the writings that go along with the scripture each day, it's like you're
0: not going to find it. It's not That's what it's about. Yeah. Right, right. But it is a hardcore thing. Absolutely. It's a large undertaking. Do you recommend men take it on even if their wife is hesitant? What point does the wife get a say in this? Because I know speaking as a wife whose husband just did it, it really affected my life as well. I wasn't doing the program, but it it certainly affected the the way I was living.
1: Yes. So we have a video that we made this last year. That's very short. Uh, I shouldn't say very short. Let's say nine, 10 minutes or something. Mm -hmm. And it's called The Exodus Man and His Bride. And it's about. The man preparing to have a good conversation with his wife about yeah. Exodus, And it's important to have that conversation because yes, you're right, Danielle. Like Exodus, if any man does it and he's married, is going to absolutely, without a doubt, affect his family.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No TV. Well, are you going to watch movies with your wife anymore? Or well, right. what do you do? How about no meat on Wednesday and Friday? What? When are you going to tell her about that? Are you going to tell her the first Wednesday that appears and she serves you a meatloaf? Right. Like, what are you, you, you going to do? Like, that's going to be terrible. Oh, sorry, honey. I'm not eating this food that you took all day to prepare. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, that's, that's not what it's about. As you probably can tell, Danielle, from all that I've said so far, the things that I'm doing for men are for the service of the family. Mm-hmm. Exodus 90 and all of the Exodus spiritual exercises that we have are no different. They are for the service of the family. So when they get in the way of the family, they are secondary to that. So let's say it's your anniversary, and we tell this to the men, it's your anniversary, you're giving up wine, you're giving up alcohol, and not on your anniversary. You <laughs> don't have a glass of wine and you have a dessert and you celebrate your anniversary because that is a huge gift of the font of the sacrament of marriage. Like you celebrate that, right? Mm-hmm. So communicating with your wife first and foremost is important right. so that your wife understands what's going on, but then always putting your family first, not to the detriment of even doing the spiritual exercise. Sure but having good communication and and putting them first so that it's at the service of the family and not the family at the service of your success in Exodus 90.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really important thing to underscore because um, certainly it was my experience that Dan and, and his particular group had that, that mentality for sure. It was encouraged like, you're not doing this at the expense of your family. You're not doing this separate from your family. So things could be flexible to a certain extent, But at some point there there's a limit to the flexibility, right? Like how do you recommend people find that balance or a particular group? Do you think it's okay, for example, if there's a particular group that says, okay, we're gonna do Exodus Exodus 90, but not these parts or you know, something along those lines?
1: Yeah, my first response to that last aspect is is no, is Mm -hmm. do all of Exodus 90 as best as you can. If the Lord's asking you to do something, he's he's not asking to divide it. So he's either asking you to do it or he's not most likely. Certainly you could seek counsel from your local spiritual director or priest or whatnot to find proper adaption if necessary Mm -hmm. seek it out just for a dispensation he's probably take it as the first and foremost probably calling you to do all of it from the perspective then of you know dealing with the wife and that relationship i would say this like in the last response i had it kind of seemed like okay well this won't be too bad because it's at the service of the family and the reality is as you experienced danielle it's going to be hard for the wife sure. and the change for the children as well for those 90 days. My question to the wives when they ask me this or propose this every time is, do you want a better husband or not? Mm-hmm. And always their answer is, well, yeah, of course I do. What are you willing to sacrifice for a better husband? Are you willing to sacrifice a bit of change for the next 90 days to have a better husband for the rest of your life? Right. Your choice.
0: Yeah, that's that's a powerful way of looking at it. And that said though, I think for sure, you know, from my own experience, and I'm thinking back like different times in our life that it probably wouldn't have been a good idea for for Dan to take it on during a certain stage of our lives or, you know, depending on what other, other obligations you have and what else is going on in your life. So I think it really is important to know what you're taking on and have that kind of open communication about it.
1: Yeah, I would totally agree. Like my, my teammate James here, co-founder of Exodus, he had his first baby. And I remember when, the year that he had his first baby's Like, I'm not, right. I don't want to do Exodus this year. Now, me, on the other hand, when I had my first baby, I was like, actually, I feel like the Lord is asking me to do this because it's making me very much more attuned with my family's needs and not my own. Is Exodus made for everybody? Yeah, probably, but not for everybody all the time. Right. I totally agree with you, Danielle. Have that conversation with your husband if you're concerned. Be open to it being difficult. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything, it is still hard for the family. Mm-hmm but it is totally worthwhile if your husband's willing to commit and if he's willing to commit for the right reasons and you nagging him to commit is probably not <laughs> going to get the result you're looking for. But no. Him responding but, to his brothers would be a, a great reason.
0: For right. It. Right. So not nagging. Um, but if, if ladies, if you're listening and you're like, this might be a good thing for him, I don't know, you know, m- maybe look into it a little bit and, you know, share the link with him or, um, Better yet, find out somebody in your community who has done it and give that person a nudge to maybe invite your husband to be a part of it so that it's not so much you're orchestrating his life for him.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, we're out of time here, Nathaniel. But so just to reiterate, the com is where you can get information about the book, where you can get information about the tour, the One Thing Missing Tour for Men that you're launching this August. Um, and then for Exodus 90, where, where what's the main website for that?
1: Main website is exodus90.com. It's so simple as okay. Exodus and then the numbers, 90.com. And I'll throw out as well, just so the women know, for the book and for the tour, if you buy a book, the first 5,000 books is what we need to get the tour started and funded. So 100% of the proceeds for the, from this excellent children's book, it's certainly going to be life-changing in your home and impactful. 100% of the proceeds as well go straight to starting this tour to bring freedom to more men. So excellent. thank you in advance. <laughs> your purchases there.
0: Absolutely. Well, we'll have that all linked up in the show notes at ascensionpress.com for you. Nathaniel, thank you so much for coming on Girlfriends today. It's been a real pleasure talking with you.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Danielle.
0: Right. We've got more of the show coming up, but first a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to the Girlfriends Podcast. I'm Jeff
1: Cavins. I wrote The Activated Disciple because I know how easy it is to practice the faith and to study it. But what if we lived our entire lives without doing what we learned? God doesn't just call us to be students. He calls us to be disciples, to look and live like Jesus. If you yearn for a life that moves beyond just studying and believing, if you yearn to become an activated disciple, then this book is for you. The Activated Disciple teaches you how to take your faith to the next level so you can become an instrument for God to transform the world. To order The Activated Disciple, visit ascensionpress.com
0: or Amazon. Welcome back. Now we're at the point in the show where we're doing a mini book club for my new book, Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday. If you haven't yet gotten your copy of Whisper, it is available at ascensionpress.com. The link is in the show notes for this this show and all of the episodes of Girlfriends, but it's also available on Amazon if if you'd rather uh, purchase it there. It's available on Kindle and uh, soon to be available on Audible as well. A few weeks ago, I recorded the audio version and um, I'm told that's going to be available toward the end of the summer. So you want to be looking for that if you prefer to listen to your books. Um, But I hope you do have your copy because it's kind of fun to go through chapter by chapter and have you actually be reading along as we're sharing here in this mini book club that we're doing here on Girlfriends each week. So this week, we're looking at chapter six, which is called Tuning In, Hearing God in Inspiration. And in this chapter, I talk about practicing listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is What it's all about, right? This idea of wanting to hear God's voice, and of course, that's the major theme in all of my book, Whisper, talking about how can we, how can we hear God's voice? How can we know what He's speaking to us? What He's whispering to us, even in the ordinary events and activities of our everyday lives, and you know, specifically thinking about the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, some of us think about this concept of discernment, and we get stuck there. Like, we make it more complicated than it needs to be. Like, say you're going to make a big decision. This is part of what I share here in Chapter 6 in Whisper is, like, say you're going to make a big decision, whether you're deciding as a young person where you're going to go to school, or whether or not to get married, or if you have a religious vocation, or when to get married, or whether or not to take a certain job, or to change your job, or to move, or, you know, things that feel like a big deal. Sometimes we, you know, of course, we should take these things seriously. And as parents, there are many big questions we have to take on with regard to parenting. Like, how are you going to raise your children? How are you going to discipline your children? How are you going to educate your children? All of these things are important, but it's also important to not get too caught up in the idea of discernment so much so that we feel paralyzed and like we can't make a decision. So, uh, part of what I share in this chapter is that sometimes it's simpler than we think. That God God's will isn't often complicated to figure out. Like if you're wondering what God's will is for you right now, like look around you. He, he's telling you, like with the things He's putting before you to do, the next right thing to do in your home, in your family, in your marriage, in your workplace, that's what He's calling you to do. That's God's will for you. And also the desires of your heart. Sometimes we discount that. We negate that. I know when I was younger, I would sometimes be suspicious of my own motives. Like, oh, if I really want this thing, maybe, maybe that means it's a bad thing for me. Maybe I want it for selfish purposes. And of course, that's possible. But you know, the desires for good things that God places on our hearts are part of how he communicates his will for us. Um I shared this story in in chapter 6 of how somebody asked me once how I discerned I was called to be married and and specifically how did I discern that God was calling me to marry Dan in particular? And I didn't really have an answer for that because I didn't feel like I had done a whole lot of discernment, frankly you know, I, I was living out my faith. I had a prayer life. I was, you know, living a sacramental life, which are important things to being in tune to what God's will is for you. But if all of those things are in place, it's often not that complicated. Like, you know, I Dan and I were in love with each other. We were crazy about each other. We couldn't wait to get married and start a family. It just wasn't a discernment. It was like, we are doing this thing. Yes, yes, yes. And so sometimes it's like that. And just because you want something doesn't mean you need to hit the pause button and start second-guessing yourself. And then the other thing that I share in this book, in chapter six especially, is a little bit of some thoughts that I learned from Father Jacques Philippe. Are you familiar with him? He has an excellent book. If you're at all wondering about like, how do I listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit? How do I listen to God's voice? Is this something I can get better at doing? Yes, it is. And I, I love his book, In the School of the Holy Spirit, which kind of, it's a tiny little book it's small, it's thin, it's super accessible, super practical. And it feels very doable when you're when you're reading it. And he kind of walks you through like how to get better at, how to be more intentional about listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the quote that I share from him um, from that book in the School of the Holy Spirit on that topic is, quote, We must, of course, desire God's inspirations and ask for them frequently in prayer. Ask and it will be given to you. One of the petitions we make to God most often should be, Inspire me in all my decisions and never let me neglect any of your inspirations. And I, I love that because that's something you can do. If you're wondering about, if you're if you're wanting to hear God's voice more clearly in your life, well, have you asked for it? Have you asked God to inspire you with what his will is for you? Have you asked God to help you to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? to hear the things that he's calling you to, the things that he's calling you to do, to know his will and then asking for the grace to do it, to act upon them, to respond. Because that's the other part of what Father Jacques Philippe shares in that book is not only is it something we can get better at doing, listening, the more we do it, practicing listening for uh the voice of the Holy Spirit. It is something that we need to practice responding to. Just asking for the grace first of all to know God's voice when we hear it, but then asking for the grace to respond to it because that encourages us along that path of our relationship of being in tune with and listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit, God's voice in our lives, inspirations of the Holy Spirit, is when we get in that habit of responding to them, not ignoring them, that it's sort of a cycle, right? It's listening, asking for them, listening and responding when we hear them. So I definitely recommend Father Jacques Philippe's book. And and I I shared more about what what he shares as well, as well as some inspiration from uh, St. Therese about listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit and St. Faustina as well in what she shares in her diary and her reflections on divine mercy, her sharing of revelations that she had in visions that she had of Jesus himself. I think that's so encouraging and so inspiring um, in very practical ways. That's what I share in this this chapter, practical ways that I feel encouraged and inspired. And I, I want to be encouraging you to be listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit in very practical ways, ways you can pick up and do right now. So that's chapter six, Tuning In, Hearing God in Inspiration in Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday. If you don't have your copy, what are you waiting for? Get on over to ascensionpress.com or Amazon or your local Catholic bookseller. I'm sure it's there on the shelves wherever you like to get your ascension titles. You can find it there. And then once you have it, Let me know what your feedback is. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know what your response is to some of what I share in the book. And um, I shared this last week, but I'm gonna remind you again, if you did not pre-order and you missed kind of that cutoff deadline for getting your free copy of the companion journal, insider secret only here to listeners of the podcast I'll share. If you email me, I can still get you that free copy of the companion journal. So if you'd like a journal for going through the book on your own, reflecting and journaling and kind of praying through the book's content on your own, um, I'll send you that PDF. You just need to email me and ask for it. So send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com. I will be glad to send it to you for you or for sharing with a friend or using in a women's group if you're going to work through the book together that way. So that's all for now. I want to thank you for being here today. I'm so encouraged by the fact that you show up for this podcast. So encouraged by the fact that you trust me with some of your time that is important and precious to me. I am honored and I know it's a privilege and I do not take it for granted. So thank you for the gift of your time. I also want to thank Nathaniel for being part of today's show. And that's all for now. Until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week.